20 Dudes, the tabletop role-playing podcast where the die decides our topic. I am Dylan. I'm Jenny. And today, we are going to be talking about the fate system in Tanner, but first, a little announcement. Oh. I have uh, I have taken in uh, the help of our good dear Jennifer to whip my ass into shape and get me recording on a more consistent schedule. So... Uh, as per Jenny's current schedule for us, recording days are on Tuesdays. Hopefully, that means that podcast episodes will be out on Wednesdays. She even, maybe Thursdays at the very latest. She even paid a visit to Harrison Ford himself and borrowed his whip just for this. I don't need to Please borrow his me. whip. I, I have my badly. own. I, I have my own. Don't listen to them. I bought my. I got. I made my own. Actually, it's a true story. Whip crack just from his tail, and the <laughs> so. beast was stopped. even more horrifying. On top of this, I am also going to be doing two streams a week now for the Twitch channel, which will then go up on the YouTube channel uh, to archive afterwards. Uh, and those streams are going to occur on Sunday nights, and then uh, what is it, Thursdays? Yes, sir. You said Thursdays, Sundays, and Thursdays. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Sunday nights, Thursdays are going to be kind of variable because my work schedule can be kind of all over the place. Uh, so Sundays and Thursdays, I will be streaming D20 Dudes Gaming on Twitch if you want to watch the streams. Hell yeah, baby. Come on, join us, y'all. Uh, we actually, uh, for my first stream, uh, my friend Pin uh, raided me. So I had uh, nice. about 15 to 20 viewers at one point, which was pretty cool. I've never been raided before. Shit's wild. Nice, nice. I also like how I said 15 to 20. Like That's a big number for me. And then you have like these other Twitch channels are like, yeah, someone rated me with 4,000 viewers. Uh, don't don't focus on the numbers. Don't compare yourself. Baby yeah. steps. I uh, Current mm-hmm. game I am going to be playing on, at least on Sundays, is The World Ends With You Final Mix on the Switch. Uh, and on Thursdays we might mix it up a little bit. I got a few things on PC. I, might, uh, I got an Elgato so I can record Switch games. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. Exciting. That's Spanish I'm glad, for. I'm glad. The cat. Spanish for the cat. <laughs> the cat. I really wanted to pull an El Nino and be like, "That's Spanish for the Nino." <laughs> the Nino. <laughs> Love Chris. Anyways, so we're we're gonna be talking about Tender's fate system today, and it's actually a very broad topic to cover, but it's a very important one because it, there's a lot to it. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out like a bit of a a little plan for us here. The first thing we're going to be talking about are player fates and what they are. The second thing we're going to be talking about are I-Key and Key-I. After that, we're going to be talking about the intermission and how to change and update and remove your fates and stuff like that. And then at the end, we'll talk a little bit about the emotion matrix because it's silly and fun. I like it. I love it too. (laughs) It's precious. Um, So to begin with, player fates. Whenever you make a character... The majority of the time, they will have two fates. Kind of the most basic way to generate your own character, because there's a lot of pre-made sheets in the back that you can just use if you really just want to pick up a game and go. To make your own character the way that you tend to do it without spending too much time and effort is by picking archetypes. And you generally want to pick at least two archetypes. And each archetype will have a fate associated with it. So when you do that, Um, You will generally start the game with two fates, one that has three pips in it and one that has two. The more pips your fate has in it, the more important that fate is to your character. And fates are things that kind of influence who your character is uh, and how they interact and see the world around them. So they can be anything from a strong emotion that that character feels particularly to um, 
like a a goal that they want to accomplish uh and there's even like big destiny fates like big epic this is the gm assigning you like this is your mission for the campaign kind of fate like real big stuff so fates are are generally things that are there to kind of guide and shape your role-playing experience uh, because if you follow the fates that your character has in terms of role-playing and especially role-playing the things that are important to you and putting really some effort into like being emphatic and energetic about these things that's whenever you start really getting the key eye or the eye key i'm sorry god i'm the worst mixing that up immediately uh, that's whenever you start getting a lot of those eye key chits and that allows you to advance your character more I... does anyone have I know you two have played Tenra with me. What are some examples of fates that your characters have had that you really enjoyed? Things that you thought were very interesting that applied to your characters very well and that you really enjoyed having as part of your character's roleplay experience? Well, um, when I when I was... Uh, mind. Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. I just want to bring up an old character sheet if I can get my paws on one real quick. But you can go ahead. Okay, so... Um, when I was playing, uh, Tilly, her hatred for, uh, Analytist was so much fun for me because in that iteration of her, that was the reason she went insane and it was so much fun. And then for the current character in the, uh, the, the, the Rollgate game you have going on. Um, I made the archetype for that character, and her the fate for that one is uh, to find her master's killer. And that I'm enjoying that, because it's not a loud fate. It's not something she announces constantly. It's just under the surface, making her suspicious of every effing one. I love it. And that's like one of those ones that like, yeah, it is like a, a, a background thing. But like the moment that you, you catch a whiff, like you, you get the scent of that trail, it's going to suddenly become very important. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Like you're really going to be like running on that track from that point on. And, and I, I especially like the one like Tilly's hatred of analytists because she herself was an analytist. Oh, yeah. She absolutely. Like not on purpose. Nope. But like she was. So like it was. Like, almost an element of, like, self-loathing because of, like, she was something that she hated, even though it wasn't her fault. Oh, it's part of the reason she had absolutely no care for her own life. Like, she had no sense of self-preservation. <laughs> and those those things are interesting, because, like, it, it is something that, like, shapes your character. And they give you, like, really good, like, succinct motivations for your character's roleplay in those scenes. Is what I really, really like about having fates in that game. Oh yeah, absolutely love it. So, with my experience, I had a guy first named Samulari, then named Pliskin, possibly Revengeance at some point. I don't even know. Uh, but yeah, he had a a lesser known, not lesser known, lesser. So it was a more subtle fate. It was a three pip. Actually, I guess that isn't technically subtle, but his his big big fate was five pips so comparatively but yeah love the ladies he was he was definitely putting the moves on some of the uh 
the female characters in ways, but he's... I remember that. I remember that there was a Kitsune spirit mm-hmm. who was like screwing with the group, and you were like, "I'm gonna seduce it." <laughs> and you had, I, I think you only had one point in pillow arts. So I was like, "Word, if you manage to get even just one success on this, You're... I will allow it." And by, by the gods, you did it. You <laughs> rolled that success. It was spectacular. I think you actually rolled a one on that die. That was amazing. Yeah, that I, is I was absolutely horrible. Oh my I, god! I was in the or the I key just because of how goofy and how fitting it was for him and his weird ambitions and and whatnot. Oh, no wonder he and went after I, Chiffon. Like, I like it. I yeah. like that it, it really just does. Like, you can just at a glance look at your sheet and say, oh, these are the things that are important to my character. Do any of these apply to these scenes? And you can role play appropriately. So I really like them. We've talked about the pips. So we'll go over that real quick. A fate can be anywhere from rank 2 to rank 5, much in the same way that, like, a skill is ranked. And because of this, they each have an associated cost, is the way the game um, phrases it. I prefer to think of it, uh, I think total, fate total, is probably a more succinct way to put it, like a way that kind of helps uh, kind of understand how it works. So a fate of level two costs nothing. I think a fate of level three is... 10 it's 5 or 10 it's yeah it's 10 you're right okay a fate level 3 is 10 uh level 4 i do believe is 25 30 30 and then the the level 5 fates are like way up there they're like 70 or some shit yeah that's exactly on the money there and this total the fate total Um, being how much these pips will add up to in their entirety cannot exceed what your character's current karma total is. So if your character has 80 total karma and their fate total is... Let's say they've got one level 5 fate. They've got 70 out of 80 total. They cannot go above that 80. So they could potentially get one more level 3 fate as many level 2 fates as they want because level 2 fates don't cost anything. But the reason for that is you can use fates to reduce your current karma total during intermissions. And we'll go over that a little bit more later. But because of that, you cannot ever have it so that your fates will allow you to reduce your karma to 0 or lower. So that's why that is set in place. So fates are an important way to flesh out your character's background, what's important to them, their personality, and how you roleplay them. And they can also be used to confer yourself some benefits. So now we will move on to the I key and the key I section. Whenever you do something cool, whenever you do something cool in game, if you roleplay really well or you describe like a very interesting attack or you have like a very inventive idea, anytime somebody thinks you've done something fun or interesting, they can hand you an I-key shit. And that's anyone in the game. It's not just the game master. It's literally everyone at the table can be like, that's dope. Have an I-key shit. And you can use these I-key shits to do a lot of things. You can use them to do anything that key I can do, which is things like 
boosting your skills temporarily for a roll uh, and boosting the amount of dice you have for a roll. If you've only got a few, buying successes or interrupting uh, combat actions, buying multiple combat actions, uh, protecting your friends, buying new equipment, raising attributes and buying new skills, that kind of thing. You can use uh, key eye uh, and eye key kind of interchangeably for these actions with the difference being that if you spend key eye to do any of these things, you increase your karma by the amount of key eye you spent during intermission. So you have to keep track of how much key eye you spend whenever you do these kinds of things. If you spend eye key, you don't have to raise your karma, but the trade-off is that you will almost always have tons and tons and tons of karma or key eye, but not a whole lot of eye key. And the reason for that is Whenever you go into an intermission, one of the things you will do is called a fate roll, wherein you will roll your empathy attribute in dice. So if you have an empathy of five, you will roll five dice, and you will use your highest level fate as the skill you're rolling against. So if you have five in empathy and your highest level fate has three pips in it, you will roll five dice, and anything that is a one, a two, or a three will count as a success. And you will do that for every I-key you have. So each I-key can potentially be converted into many key-I, which can be used to do many of the same things that I-key can do. The difference, though, is that I-key can be used to do a few things that key-I cannot. Namely, if you want to bring a character into a scene, like, say, Jenny, and word we're playing a game of tenra and jenny's not in the current scene i could as the gm give her an i key to say jenny you have somehow entered this scene describe how you've entered the scene and what you're doing um, and then you can react accordingly and i give you an e i give you an i key to do that or if i say there's no way that jenny's character can be in this scene but there's an npc in this scene that you guys are talking to jenny i want to give you an i key shit you will now play that npc and that's a way to keep people engaged with scenes, even though their characters may not necessarily be involved. Another thing you can do with iKey, as opposed to KeyI, is give other people fates or buy your own new fates. So whenever you go into intermissions and you say, I've got a new fate, like I've got an idea for a new fate that I want to have, you can say, I spend an iKey and I add this new fate at a cost or at a total of two pips. Or if somebody else does something very interesting or somebody else has maybe something that you think would be a good idea for a fate for them you could say hey i will offer you this i key shit if you add this to your fate list and if they accept you give them one of your i key and they add that new fate to their list so in that way i key kind of have a few things that you can do with them that are you know outside the normal bounds of key i but it's not a whole lot. The other thing is uh, GMs and other players, if you're rolling or like doing the emotion matrix, you can give iKey to shift <laughs> on the matrix. Mm. Uh, we'll get that. We'll get to that later. Oh, that's always fun. So once again, uh, I'm going to use this as kind of a common theme in this episode. What What is something uh, from a game of Tender we've played together that you enjoyed that you either gave a bunch of iKey for... <sighs> Or like you, you had a whole bunch of people giving IKEA, or Dude. you did yourself and got a lot of IKEA. Mo- what are some of your big moments? Mo- moment of truth. Oh man, yeah, the moment of truth. Mm-hmm. 
So that is a very, very special Kiai action, wherein you can say, I have a dope thing I want to do, but I have nowhere near enough karma, or nowhere near enough Kiai, sorry. Um, you can say, I would like to perform a moment of truth. It's something you can only do once in a given game. But it means anybody can say, hey, I know what you're trying to do. I will give you this many Kiai. A person will take their own Kiai and give it to you. And they can give you as much or as little as they want to give. But if they think it's a good thing to do, you can just suddenly have a huge influx of Kiai to suddenly spend on doing an impressive awesome action or series of actions to do incredibly fun things uh, the the thing you have to watch for there is even if you don't spend all of that ki it all still gets turned into karma during the intermission so however much ki you get during that you want to make sure you use as much of it as possible because it is still going to get turned into karma and you will still have to deal with that but word you did have a moment of truth tell us about it yeah so i'm trying this is the second one, because the first one was like an introductory game of Tenra. Um, you, me, Bartlett, Sharp. Um, I don't really remember what the moment of truth was that ended that. I think, wasn't that like a big robot? Oh yeah, it was still a Sam, Samurai. Right, because I was like a Samurai. A, a Kijin mercenary. That's what it was. And yes. I took, I had a moment of truth. I pulled their power or you know the key eye into me it was sort of like a spirit bomb and then i just unleashed hell with a sword just a blade like hot knife through butter on this uh, one of the mech type units um brain farting on their exact name kijin cybernetic soldiers which will be covered in a future episode <laughs> yeah but the thing that we were fighting i think it was kongoki of some sort no it, it was a kijin Oh, it was a Kijin. Okay, so yeah. like a fellow Kijin. Okay. Yeah. <gasps> oh. I th- yeah, you, you you did the dope thing where, like, I actually think you managed to clear that whole thing in one round. Yes. Because uh, you took everyone's ki and just did such a hugely massive attack. Yes. Because I actually think you just bought a shit ton of successes with it is what you did. <laughs> yes. You're just like, I'm going to do 47 damage in this one hit. Thank you, please. Yes. And you just, like, wrecked him. Yes, that's correct. Nice. But then there was also the game with, with um, Jenny and Leon and you and Bartlett. And I, th- I think I had a moment of truth in that one, too, where I was going up against the mech unit. I don't think it panned out very well. Um, I don't remember what happened. I don't remember the I, outcome. Actually, really that one that one was the one where um, Shafan did her eye de- deadly beams at the Kongoki. Because we didn't have a, yeah. a mech fight. We didn't there have was, a chance to have a mech fight. It was, it was Leon was in her. Right. Um, her Kiman armor. Yeah. And yeah, I think you ended up getting a ton of Ike because it was literally like Mal was tearing this armor apart and then you just lasered him in half. <laughs> <laughs> and he got so cool. mad. I also got a lot of um, I got a, a lot of Ike from um, describing Shafan afterwards because using that ability stopped her shape shifting, so you guys got to see her full uh, Ayakashi glory, her bunny ladiness, and and I got I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of Ike for that one as well for her description. So, so to summarize that bit. 
Ike are, they're kind of like experience points, but they're granted by everyone. A single action can only get you one Ike chip from a given person. Um, but if you're role-playing really well, people can give you as many Ike chips as they want in a given scene. And they can be used as like experience points to increase your stats or to buy temporary successes and that kind of thing. The main purpose of Ike chips is to convert them into Ki, because you will generally have a whole lot more Ki, and you can then use that to um, kind of stack up and get a lot of permanent upgrades to your characters. Uh, but you do have to watch, because remember, every Ki you spend does get converted into Karma, and if your Karma ever reaches or exceeds 108, your character becomes an Ashura, a monster under the GM's control. Always keep a lookout for that, my friends. So now we're going to talk about the intermissions, and this is the part where I think a lot of people end up getting a little bit um, confused because there's like an order that is supposed to happen that people tend to get a little confused on. So like people might say, um, well, I've got this done and I'm going to go ahead and start writing these things down. But other people then want to start giving them IK or they, they do their, um, they'll already do their fate rolls. And then they say, oh, I want to give this to a person to like suggest a fate. And then they'll have to go back and redo their fate rolls. Um, so there is an order that you're supposed to do. And it's called the no self phase. So the way it always starts, the first thing anybody does is they determine if they want to buy any new fates or if they want to give any IK to give fates to other players. That is action number one. Because if everybody doesn't do this at the same time, that's where a lot of confusion can happen. And it's generally good to make sure that everybody has accomplished this before moving on. Because these things cost IK to do. Mm -hmm. After that, what you can do is you can choose to improve one or all of your fates, as many as you want, by one pip. And you do have to remember that you still cannot improve these past your total karma. So the fate cost can never at any point exceed what your current karma total is. But as long as you've got the points to spend, you can increase the levels of your fates, but you can only increase them by one pip at a time. So if you have a level two fate, you can increase it to a level three. If you have a level three fate, you can increase it to a four and so on. As long as you don't exceed that. After that point, you will then do your fate rolls, where you will take your empathy score, your highest level fate, at that point because you do get the chance to try and improve them first and then roll to see how many ki each i key is converted into every success is one ki there are a few points where a person maybe doesn't have a very high um empathy stat and they're not going to get a whole lot of ki out of their i key so it is possible for the GM to say, here's what we're going to do instead. Like, if you only have a standard, like, two empathy or something, because sometimes characters just don't have that as a stat. It's not important to them in their role-playing. And it is kind of garbage to have to spend a whole bunch of attribute points on something that you're not going to actually be using as a skill in the game. The GM can determine, all right, since your empathy score is so low, you will just convert your empathy uh, into ki one-to-one on your I key. So in that sense, they would just say, well, I got 10 IQ chits this scene, and my empathy is only two, so now I have 20 ki. Whereas everyone else who might have 
8, 9, 10 empathy will then still have to roll because even though they may roll poorly, they still have the opportunity to get huge amounts of ki simply out of these rolls, whereas the person with very, very low empathy scores will not. Mm, makes sense to me. Hmm. Okay. So there's not going to be a whole lot of like examples we can share out of that because that's kind of a case by a case little bit of a nebulous basis. thing. Yeah. Um, and moving on from that, that explains really the basics of the fate system. Uh, there is one thing uh, to know about doing those fate rolls is that you can actually, in some cases, do a fate roll mid-scene to convert I-Key to Ki so that you have more resources to spend. But it is only at the GM's discretion. And in this particular instance, you cannot just use your highest level fate. You have to use the most relevant fate to the action that's going on. So say your highest level fate is a level 5. Um, I love rabbits. But you're in the middle of a fight against a Kijin, and you have a level 3 fate of hatred of Kijin. Despite your love of rabbit rabbits being your most important attribute, if you need the Ki right then in that moment, he is going to make you use your hatred of Kijin because that is more applicable to the moment. That is what is giving you strength in that current instance. And so that's what you're going to be rolling against to try and convert that Ikey into Ki. The final thing you do with fates during intermission is you can either sublimate them or alter them. And this occurs after the empathy rolls. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. This occurs before the empathy rolls for a very specific reason. Changing a fate in one of two ways um, will always reduce the total amount of karma you have. The first way is to sublimate the fate. There are two reasons to sublimate. The first is that you think you have accomplished the goal, you have completed the fate, and that because it is no longer going to be relevant because you have accomplished whatever this particular motivation is, or completed whatever the goal is, or moved beyond whatever that particular emotion is. It's just not relevant. It's not going to affect you going forward. It's time to get rid of it and move on. If you ever get rid of a fate in this way, you will take its entire fate cost and remove that from your karma. So if you sublimate a level 5 fate, you will remove 70 total karma from your character, and that gives you a lot of breathing room to play around with your ki. The trade-off is you no longer have that level 5 fate to roll your empathy against, so the total amount of ki you might get going forward could be substantially lower. But it does mean the ki that you do get, you no longer have to be so conservative with. You have a lot more breathing room to do a lot of these really cool things where you buy successes or maybe do a moment of truth. The second thing that you can do to change them, or I'm, I'm sorry, the second way that you could... Um, potentially sublimate a fate is just that you feel like it just doesn't fit your character or it's no longer relevant like if your character has a hatred of kijin and you've played for three total scenes and you've not seen a single kijin in the entire campaign you've been living in an, a place that is only filled with oni who don't believe that kijin are like a just way to live their lives and it's just never gonna come up you can say hey gm this fate does not does not apply to my character can i sublimate it and if they agree, you can sublimate that fate, get rid of the karma. Both of those are applicable reasons to sublimate a fate. The second way to change a fate in order to sublimate or to get rid of some karma is to alter it. And what this will do is move the fate down one step, like from a 5 to a 4, a 4 to a 3, so on and so forth. And 
you will get the difference in karma removed from your total. So let's say you have, um, let's say Jenny and Word are playing in a game and Word has total hatred of Jenny's character as a level three fate in the game. But something happens in the game, Jenny's character does something really badass and Word's character can no longer hate her. Instead, he begrudgingly respects her. So you alter the fate to show that difference, that, that shift in attitude, and that will drop it down to a level two fate, and Word will remove 10 karma from his total because the fates that kind of determine his actions have changed. He still has it, but it's different. Like it. Makes sense? Yes, sir. Kind of like a Vegeta-Goku relationship. A little bit, yeah, something like that. Okay. So again, that takes place before the empathy rolls. I really should have brought that up earlier, um, oh. but it takes place before the empathy rolls because it would be kind of garbage to like, oh, I'm going to get this up to a level five fate, use it to roll all of my uh, ki, and then sublimate it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. That would be a little cheesy. You got to decide if you're going to sublimate it first, or if you're going to keep it and keep that high honking karma you got. Yeah. Okay. The last thing we're going to talk about is. The Emotion Matrix. One of my favorite oh. parts of the game. <laughs> <laughs> the Emotion Matrix is dope. It is. Uh, and Big factor in fades. We've saved it for last because the Emotion Matrix is technically an optional part of the game. Uh, why would you It is not, not strictly necessary. It's hilarious. But what you use the Emotion Matrix for is that there actually is a 6x6 um, like matrix at the end of the book wherein anytime your character meets either a new player or a new NPC who's very important that you're going to be spending a lot of time interacting with, you can roll two D6s. So you can have results from 11 to 66, like 22, 33, 44. Like you take both of those values and you assign them to be like a, a 2 and a 3 would be a 23, that kind of thing. And that will determine what your character's first visceral thought <laughs> of a new character is. So, just for shits and giggles, uh, Jenny and Word um, I remember kind of run into ours. each other for the first time. <laughs> yeah, um, And Jenny wants to roll to see on the emotion matrix uh, how she immediately feels about this character. And she rolls a uh, 23, just for instance. 23 is like your child. So you can go into the back of the book find that 23 result, go up and find out what that is in the list, and it says this person reminds you of a child you loved a long time ago, or else you have the feelings of a caregiver towards this person. It might be in the smallest acts they do, or the look in their eyes, but you can't ignore the feelings this person stirs inside of you. And that's like a first visceral gut reaction. So Jenny might walk around this corner and meet this man, and something he did reminds her of a child, and she just dearly wants to take care of him. That can be just succinctly ignored if you don't like it. If you hate that result, you can just ignore it entirely. It does not matter. It does not. It's not a fate unless you want it to be. You can choose to make a fate for that role in the intermission if you want to, and you can choose to behave that way towards that character if you feel like it matters in that way. But otherwise, if you do not think that the result applies well, you can choose to just completely and blatantly ignore it. It is entirely optional. Or if somebody else looks at that matrix anywhere around it on the um, grid, you can say, well, like, I want to give you an I key and I want to shift that from being a 23 to a 13. 
I want to shift it up one on the emotion matrix. And that will turn the result of like your child into desire. You will then look up the new result. Something inside of you is burning. Do you lust for the knowledge they have to take something they possess and make it yours? Or do you simply desire their physical form? If you like that result better, you can take the I key and shift it up to that result. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be up. It can be left, right, down, um, anywhere. But the person giving you the I key gets to choose what direction they want to shift it in. And it's then up to you if you want to accept that new result. <laughs> In this way, you can have a lot of very chaotic emotions happening between characters immediately. And Jenny, we all know you're going to talk about Chiffon, so you just go right ahead and tell us about that. <laughs> we, we were rolling for the emotion matrix, and Chiffon had uh, loved for sight for, the, for uh, Ragnar, the Oni, Jeez. Bartlett's character. Bartlett rolled soulmate for Chiffon, and then uh, Pliskin rolled something else, but Dylan offered him an Ikea to shift it to soulmate as well. I made it so that everybody wanted the bun bun ass. Even he... Everybody was fawning over her. Everyone wanted the bunny. And the bunny was like, I'm popular. Why? I'm a bunny. Incredibly funny. I loved it so Super much. Super fucking funny. It it was hilarious, and and Talon had like big sister syndrome basically, and so here are these two dangerous guys trying to help up this little bunny girl because Mao kicked my ass, and she's like, "You guys get away from her! I'll help her." I loved it. Oh my god! I was dying. It's just all these people come together in one spot and everybody wants to tap that. It was fucking spectacular. It was. I loved it so much. Oh my god. So I, I really like the emotion matrix for that reason. Like again, it is entirely optional. You don't you don't have to use it and you can ignore the results even if you do choose to use it. But still, like I think it's really funny. Like it's a good way to set up some baseline character interaction like right away that's going to determine like how these two people are going to interact with each other. And that, it spurs role-playing, and that's really the thing I love about the Fate system, just from the top down, is that it encourages role-play. You gain I-key and key-I for good role-play. This whole game is built from the ground up to reward awesome role-playing, and that is my favorite thing about Tenra. I kind of see it as an icebreaker generator between characters yeah that's a really good way to look at it i mean i because it just gives you an emotion right away to work off of oh yeah i used it for my game that wasn't a tenra game i loved it so much i had my players it was a DD game i had my players roll on the emotion matrix see how you guys feel and that set up some interesting conflict i remember that i do like it like it's i think it's honestly just a fun thing like even if you're not playing a Tenra, it is a, a very fun thing to just roll to see like what your gut reaction to a new character is going to be and if you want to roll with that or not. Like Encouraging roleplay is something I absolutely think is pivotal to having fun in any game. Hmm. 
So, uh, we've covered all of the topic we want to cover. Does anybody want to share a last-minute tent story? Is something interesting that we've done in any of the games that you would like to put out in the world before we close this off? Uh, I think I tried shooting the guy and I missed. Like, bad. <laughs> story. <laughs> I, I remember the interactions between Tilly and... I forgot the other character's name, but both of them had feelings for the NPC Daisuke, but it was for different reasons. (laughs) Tilly was, like, enamored by him because she knew who he was. And she's, of course, a fruitcake, so here's this insane girl with blood dripping from her mouth, and the other character was like, you get the F away from him! (laughs) I absolutely love They hated each other so much these two women because they were both after him for different reasons it's funny because like i you guys only saw daisuke while he was drunk yeah and he's a very different person when he's drunk like he he's a very somber and dour individual because he has a very hard time hiding his like feelings when he's drunk and he's just kind of a very sad dude but when he's not drunk he's incredibly goofy like he just has he's terrible at social interaction and is just a total goober and I really would have loved to have seen the game get to that point so you guys could have seen sober Daisuke. That would have been... Especially since he would not be able to spend any more ki, and he would have just been, like, any fumbles he made would have just been total fumble. Like, he would not have been able to check. Man, anything. that would have broken Tilly's heart. Like, her, her <laughs> idol just suddenly sucking. Like... I mean, like, he still has he still has really good stats. It's just he now has the possibility of screwing up and not being able to fix it. So... <laughs> That's going to be it for this week's episode. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll the magical polyhedron. The distinct and bespoke math rock we use to decide our topics. The emotion matrix. It is an 18. Guess what? It's another Tenra topic. It's Kijin. Those things I said (laughs) we'd talk about in a future episode. Well, it's the next one. Uh, um, I I do believe we have somebody that needs to be a part of this. I think he's already here, but I think yeah, he needs to play to part- Kijin. Yeah, if you want, I could join that one uh, too. Uh, you are welcome on any time, my good man. Uh, yes. So, I would like to thank everyone for listening. If you would like to interact with us on the social medias, facebook.com slash d20dudes, twitter.com at d20dudes, patreon.com slash d20dudes if you would like to support us monetarily in some way. Uh, if you do, there's going to be some goodies. I'm going to try and get better about making sure that I update the social medias a little bit more uh, and making sure that there's some extra Patreon content on there for you guys who have subscribed uh, to look at. Uh, thank you, Word and Jenny. I know you're both patrons. Thank you, Ari. And thank you, Ken, for supporting the podcast. Yay. You are all dearly beloved. And there is, as always, a Discord link down in the description. If you would like to join us on Discord, come say hi. Yay. Thanks for listening. Thank you, everybody, and we'll catch you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye bye now. Talon Butt Kerfuffle 2020. Remember? <laughs> Big Talon Butt Kerfuffle <laughs> in 2020. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> bye.